Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. I'm here in episode 27. This is Kelsey Novitz, your host, and I'm here with Emily Behrens. Emily Behrens is a television producer and a Girl Scout leader. So we are just going to get right into it. So hi, Emily. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. So let's hear your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, so like everyone from Ohio, one of the first things I tell you is that I'm from Ohio. Um, I grew up, it's like, it's a whole thing. Um, I mean, I I'm from up, Buffalo, New York, so I understand. We're okay. Dayton and Buffalo, I feel like are essentially sister cities. Only no one has ever like officially announced it. It seems like it's almost the same place. Like Buffalo is a little bit bigger and has like actual sports teams. We have to drive to Cincinnati, but yeah. Yes. So yeah, I'm from Ohio. Um, I, uh, you know, always wanted to, I never wanted to be famous, but I never wanted to have like a normal desk job. Um, so I, you know, majored in film production in college and then moved to Los Angeles, um, as well where does. I got, yes, yes. And I, you know, got into reality TV because I love art and, um, so I've been doing that for the last six or seven years and it's been a wild ride. Um, but then, you know, I think sometimes when you work in a business that doesn't always feel good and it can get a little like yucky sometimes, um, you want to give back. And so I recently became a Girl Scout leader because, back to Ohio. I was a Girl Scout until I graduated high school. I worked for the Girl Scouts in college. I like continued to, you know, volunteer with them until I moved here. And so that was like a piece of my life that was kind of missing. And uh, yeah, that's why I got back into it. Nice. And that's a connection the listeners, as you know, um, that I was a Girl Scout until I was 18 years old. So Emily and I have that in common. I assume, Emily, that you are a gold award recipient? I'm not actually. Okay, neither am I. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, that makes me feel so much better because everyone's like, oh my gosh, did you get the eagle? And then I just talk about how the gold award is a better award to get. And then I never mention that I don't have. Money. Okay, this is a great conversation because I always say that. Is the gold award not harder to receive than it's the Eagle harder. Scout? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. feel so and validated right now. It it is. It takes more hours. Like the the project that the girls have to put together is way more involved. Whereas like for a, an Eagle Scout, it's like they have to like, you know, earn all the merits, which is great. And then they have to do community service project. But their community service project can be like build a bridge in a park. Or like but fold the, a flag. Right. But like for the Girl Scout Gold Award, it's like you have to like implement a program that lives beyond you. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, actually, it's funny you say the thing about the flag. I was like obsessed with flag ceremonies uh, <laughs> for whatever reason when I was in high school. Interesting. And yeah, it was, it, it was a whole thing. But so um, after 9-11, um, we, everyone had flags in their yards all of a sudden. And then a lot of people had these flags in their yard and didn't know how to properly retire them. And mm -hmm. so everybody had these like ratty flags on a flagpole. And it's like, I mean, that's really disrespectful. So 
uh, my troop got, we like got, we collected all these old flags and we did like a whole retirement ceremony. Um, and then what my gold award was going to be, um, was putting together a series of videos on proper flag etiquette, wow. which then would live, you know, um, as a resource that you could take out at the library, you could take out from the Girl Scout Center, but like it had to be a project that lived beyond you. Interesting. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing the Boy Scouts always say when we get into arguments, um, <laughs> they're like, "Well, then why why do more why are there more Girl Scouts with Gold Awards than Boy Scouts with Eagle Scouts?" And I'm like, "Here's why: there are more Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. Like our numbers aren't fledgling the way Boy Scouts are, which is, in my opinion, why they recently opened it up to the girls. But that's mm-hmm. a whole nother conversation. I mean, we can have." that conversation if we I would do. Love to. I would love to. <laughs> so I get I, so mad about it. I mean, I guess I didn't know that that was true, that there were more Girl Scouts than Boy Scouts. And yeah, like by a lot. Interesting. Now, can we talk a little bit about, so I, for me in high school, there was definitely this stigma around, you know, being a Girl Scout or being a Boy Scout. And so I actually kept it a secret from a lot of my close friends uh, because I, I don't know, I was embarrassed or felt weird about it or felt like it was nerdy. So I didn't really want to advertise that I was part of it. Now, did you find that that was the case for you or no? Um, initially, that was more middle school for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you were to draw like the, like the line of bullying for me, that happened more in middle school. And okay. it, a lot of it was specifically related to Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I was in sixth grade, I like, didn't really understand like the popularity game. And so to me, I was like, oh, well, I don't know any other Girl Scouts in my art class. So I'm going to ask everybody if they want to buy cookies. Nice. Which just like ripped open that door right. for everybody. Um, but, but how so, cookies, but it, they're so delicious. So I don't oh understand how that could be right. the problem. Right. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, make fun of me if you want. Then you can't buy any cookies from me. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so with, with my troop or well, with some of the people in my troop, we got to high school and we're kind of like, just let that free flag fly Mm -hmm. and retire it properly. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, but yeah, I, I, wait, I feel like maybe you should explain a little bit about what retiring a a flag properly means. Cause I feel like this is something that not like your casual American might not know. Sure. I would agree with you. They do not. Um, So just like some very quick flag etiquette. Um, You're not allowed to like leave your flag up on the flagpole. Like you don't just like hang it up once and then like leave it there. Um, You're supposed to take it down every night. Uh, And you're supposed to do it properly with like, you know, with with purpose. Um, And I mean, I don't think the average person has this flag ceremony in their yard every night. Um, But, you know, when when you're doing it in a in a formal way, there's like color guards and there's there's commands that are called and you say the Pledge of Allegiance, but the color guard doesn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. And there's all of these like very intricate rules. Um, I used to compete in flag ceremony competitions. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um. Like, once we were docked because um, the eagle on the top of our American flag was not facing the right way. Oh, yeah, like, no, it, that, you can't do it, that. 
Yeah, yeah. But it like that one wasn't in the rule book. That was like something you just had to like intrinsically know. Um but yeah, I mean so when you when you retire a flag, that either means like taking it down and and you know properly folding it and storing it. Um but the other thing is when a flag gets bad, um you're supposed to You're supposed there, to burn it, a, right? Yeah, yes. But there's like a very specific way you're supposed to burn right. it. You're supposed to cut out the the stars first, and then you're supposed to burn each stripe individually. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you run into a lot of problems. For example, an acrylic flag will, like, set off noxious fumes. Yeah, that's so you can't So you can't burn that flag. Um, and uh, then you're supposed to, like, properly dispose of the ashes which essentially means you then have to like dig a hole mm-hmm. and like put the ashes into the ground. And it's a very sacred thing. Um, but yeah, most, most people just like put their flag up and, and then, then leave never it there. take it down ever again. Yeah. It makes me so sad because I love America so much. And I just think that the flag is this like beautiful symbol. And I hate that like the flag is politicized mm-hmm. because I think that like, protesting the flag is also like our right as americans but just the way it's flying it is and it just makes me so mad um that people like that people carelessly mistreat the flag rather than use it as like a you know a symbol right because people will say things like what you've just said and but also not know proper flag care you know and it's like you kind of need to know both sides to say yeah, it's that like, stuff. Just, just be purposeful with your flag, you know? Right. <laughs> Where are we now? Flag ceremonies. <laughs> flag ceremonies. You know, yes. I've I've been to a flag retirement ceremony in my day. Yeah, One, a yeah. couple. It's kind of therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And aren't there like, so if you are taking down your flag for just like the night, is there a special way to fold it? There is. Um you fold it. I mean, there are many YouTube videos if any listeners really <laughs> want to get into it. Um, but you fold it um, in like elementary school art terms hot dog, hot dog. I never and get then... that right. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> you make it like long, skinny, long, skinny. And then you take a corner mm-hmm. and you then you kind of fold it like those footballs. Like the paper football that oh, you yeah. make in class. That's right. And then at the end, you tuck it in. And if you've done it properly, it, the the stars are on the outside. And it's mm-hmm. a really beautiful symbol. Interesting. I'm learning so much right now. This is great. Yeah. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had, like, formal flag training. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that's changed. But, but you remember I might so be much of it. some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have that good of a memory of that. <laughs> You know, the things, though, that I can't remember are, like, embarrassing, though. So, you know, I have that knowledge. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit more about your troop and what it's like being the leader. And, you know, what in, you talked a little bit about what inspired you to kind of get back into it as an adult. Let's yeah. Let's a little more. Yeah. So um, my troop, we're, like, a fairly new troop, um, even though we're older-ish. Um, my kids are in fourth grade, so they're mm-hmm. junior scouts, which is the green vest. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, and we started them last year. 
Um, so most of the kids who are in scouts from like our service unit, which is the area where we live, um, they have been in it since kindergarten. And so this is not their first rodeo and we've had many first rodeos in the past two years. (laughs) Um, our trip's also really awesome because we're not just one school. And so, um, and that was one thing that I liked about my troop growing up was because we had girls from different schools and then we eventually all fed into the same high school. And so then it was like, we had this like little group of friends already. Oh, that's so Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was really awesome. I mean, half of us didn't acknowledge that we were Girl Scouts, but (laughs) we just like knew each other. Mm -hmm. Um, See, that's the part that I totally get, but I actually didn't go to the same school. I was like... I went to a Catholic school, and then all the rest of the girls went to public school. Um, so I was like, I didn't oh, see them at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's so funny. Like, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I I didn't know people at other high schools other than the Catholic school in town because I knew them from church. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, it's so weird to me when, like, people knew other kids from other schools, and it almost felt, like, bad in some way. <laughs> I don't know. But it was weird. But, but, yeah, so once we all got to high school, we knew each other. Um, and I don't think that all of my kids are going to feed into the same high school or anything, but you know, there's, there's a lot of like diversity in like schools that they go to, um, and like backgrounds. Like we had a girl who started with our troop last year who spoke almost only Spanish, um, which was, which was an interesting challenge, um, Mm -hmm. because, um, like, I don't want to brag, but I took AP Spanish 15 oh, years ago. You go. <laughs> but so, like, I mean, I don't speak Spanish, and I'm definitely not fluent. So you um, don't remember it as well as you remember flag folding. You know, I think that my mom would be really pleased to hear you say that, because she used to always be like, you're going to need these languages. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm moving to Southern California, mom. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I know. I'm so <laughs> mad at my past self. Um, but, yeah, and so there's just, like, our, our troop, every girl is different. And every girl brings something different to the table. And whether that's just, like, her family background, where she's from, you know, even, like, different schools. And that's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, part two of your question was talking about getting back into it. Mm-hmm. Um there was, I was at like a networking event and I was talking to this woman. I'm a, I'm a member of the Producers Guild mm-hmm. and she was saying like, oh, you should go to more Producers Guild stuff. They have volunteer events. And I said to her, just kind of offhandedly, I was like, I, I keep telling the Girl Scout Council that I will be a childless Girl Scout leader, but they won't call me back. And she was like, oh, this one woman at work also is trying to tr- start a Girl Scout troop, but she doesn't know anything about Girl Scouts. She just has a child. And so she connected us. And so it was like the one person had, had the in with, you know, an eight-year-old. And then I was the person who, like, spoke the Girl Scout language. And um, we were a little bit of, like, a Bad News Bears troop because we're not <laughs> a thousand percent, like, by the books and like, our kids don't wear full uniforms because we're like, nah, you'll just get it dirty. It's fine. But I don't remember um, anyone ever wearing a full Girl Scout uniform. We only had, like, the sashes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Once I got older, we did, but mm-hmm. we were doing, like, official stuff. Mm-hmm. We were, like, meeting with the governor of Ohio. Oh, yeah. You probably but, did something for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, why, why wear something that is just, like, I think Girl Scout uniforms are awesome. 
but like you're also doing things like learning about like marine biology and sticking your hands in a fish tank right. like don't get that on your badges right you need to dress for the occasion you know exactly <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) so for the listeners that may not know like everyone knows what a girl scout is and what a boy scout is but I don't think people necessarily have a good understanding of like the ins and outs like I think people have a picture in their head like girl scouts sell cookies they do crafts and they meet in church basements. That's probably like the extent that people know. Um, but what are like some of the actual principles and some of the badges that you work on? Cause I think the Girl Scouts have been updated quite a bit since I was a Girl Scout. Like I think technology has been incorporated and um, social justice and all these really awesome things to expose young girls to. Yeah, there's been a, a big push in STEM recently, and um, so now, there's also been an additional award that's been um, added to the curriculum called the oh. Bronze Award. Okay. And that's juniors can earn that, and then cadets and seniors can earn the silver, and mm-hmm. then they're now called ambassadors, or like the oldest scouts, but they can earn the gold award. Um, but to do those awards, you have to do this thing called a journey. And, um, a journey is like a, it's a bunch of different like projects that kind of like all build on one thing. And so for the juniors, there's, um, one is like an art specific one. One is a social justice one, which is what my kids are working on. And then the other, um, journey is in like the STEM space Mm -hmm. and it's really cool. And it's like, you know, if, if the kids have an interest in one thing, they like that's that's what you can earn a badge in and there's like last week we earned the digital photography badge which is really cool and really fun yeah that's awesome yeah and I mean I learned I mean I can make like lasagna on the fire if I want to but like you know as far as life skills go you know I think that you know learning more about like personal finance is a little more important Mm -hmm. um but they do it in a fun way um we're also going to be earning our marine mammals. That's badge amazing. This year. Yes, I'm so excited. We're gonna go like see some otters at the zoo. Um, but yeah, there's pretty much it's like if if you have an interest, there's probably a badge for it. And um, there's there's like a robotics badge. Wow. You know, it's it's very cool. It's not just you know like tracking in the woods mm-hmm. anymore. Which I think is part of the reason that, like, their membership numbers have stayed high and grow. It's because the the curriculum changes with the times. Mm-hmm. Whereas and I now think the other scouts don't <laughs> <laughs> now, as much. Does that put pressure on you? Like, so if one of your scouts wants to learn about robotics, does that put pressure on you to then have to learn robotics? Or is it something that's kind of like a canned curriculum or something that you can look up? How does that um, work? It's a, there's there's a little bit of a canned curriculum. Like I can, there's like a certain amount of steps of that you know if you follow all of them you earn the badge. But a lot of times the badges also require you to talk to an expert. Oh, okay. Uh, which you know takes takes the pressure off of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to find the expert. Um, but it's it's cool that like you can have 
like if you're learning your first aid badge, it's like I don't have to teach them first aid. Right. <laughs> and find, like, a, have... find a nurse or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, we can bring in experts whenever we want to, you know, show the kids different things. Um, and then it's just, you know, it's like out of the classroom learning and life skills and fun. It's awesome. I love the program. Oh, that is awesome. So do you meet like once a week or? We are every other week at this okay. point. Yeah. I think I'd go a little crazy if it was just once a week. <laughs> and how yeah, many girls? for now anyway. Yeah. How many girls do you have um, in the troop? We have 11. We just okay. had two new ones join. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just you. You have other leaders that help, right? Yeah. There's <laughs> oh <my gosh>. uh, <laughs> There's two other leaders who help out, so that's good. But I'm the only one who was a Girl Scout as long as I was and as recently as I was, mm-hmm. even though it was, you know, 15 years ago. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's they're super helpful. And they're just two really awesome women, too. So they're great to have around. Nice. So if anyone is interested in being a Girl Scout leader, how, how can you go about doing that? Um, I would figure out um, the council for the area you're in. So, like, I'm part of uh, Girl Scouts of Greater Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in different states where the, that are less populous, the, the program area is much larger. Like, I know in, in Ohio... They did, like, a council realignment, mm-hmm. um, which was a whole thing. Um, and so now it's, like, divided into three sections rather than, like, 12 sections or something. Oh, wow. But, yeah, I mean, it's, like, the, the best way to do it is all of these councils have um, volunteer information on their website. And they also, a lot of them have, um, if you can find out what the, your... Um, service unit which is like the more specialized unit like that's mm-hmm. closer to you your your neighborhood specific if you figure out when they meet those are the ladies who ladies and gentlemen who are really like the boots on the ground who make it happen and i like i don't know how these women have other jobs like oh, wow. they're they're amazing like <laughs> i will send i'll send them like really annoying emails being like <laughs> um i need this permission slip approved by you um, and it's, it's always awesome. Nice. Yeah. So wait, that there are men that work for the Girl Scouts? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it's, um, it'll be dads who are leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few men who work for the Girl Scouts. Like I remember when I was, when I was a kid, there was a few, um, dads who, um, or well, one, there was, there was this one guy, he was so awesome. His name is Bob. And he was a grandpa who nice. was involved in the Girl Scouts. And he was just, like, the sweetest guy in the whole world. And he gave me, like, the best career advice of my whole life. He was, like, he, we're, sorry, this is kind of, like, uh, a, uh, you know, a side conversation. No, that's why. Yeah, he was, like, I was, like, 19 or 20. And I was volunteering with the Scouts. And he said to me, like, he was, like, okay, when do you want to retire? And I was, like, I don't know, when I'm 60. And he's, like, okay count back 25 years how old will you be then and I was like "Mm, 35 and he's like okay so that's when you get your gold watch after 25 years of of working for a company so between now and the time you're 35 you just have to do all the jobs you want to do and then get into that good job (laughs) of course he's like 
he's like an old union man who like <laughs> worked worked down at the factory and you know he he comes from a very different time but yeah. I was like it it was so helpful that this like this like older person of authority was like you don't have to have figured out it's fine yeah that's that would be really nice to hear as a teenager <laughs> yeah yeah I mean he could like tell me now again and I would be like thank you Bob yeah I feel like I need that advice again yeah. <laughs> So let's get into something a little controversial. So what do you think about the Boy Scouts letting girls in? Um, I'm mad about it. Tell us why. Um, okay, I'm mad about it because I think that it's going to – I think it's a distraction. Um, I think that Girl Scouts is an organization that for a long time has been inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Girl Scouts in its history has never had – a a, an official line on LGBT mm-hmm. people being members. Um, and so that means if there is someone who is, if there's a transgender child who identifies as a girl and wants to be a girl scout, then that child is invited to be a girl scout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that by letting girls in, it's saying like, you know, Oh, we we're inclusive now. Like, look at us. We're so progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that it's it's ultimately going to be a distraction on a lot of levels. I think that there are girls who are going to join thinking that, like, the Boy Scouts do cooler stuff than the Girl Scouts. Um, and I think that they're not going to have as good of a time. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times these girls are going to join, like, already established troops. And a lot of these boys probably don't want these girls to join. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that... I think I said this before, but Boy Scouts numbers are down. And yeah, Girl Scouts numbers that. are up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that they're taking away numbers for Girl Scouts. I mean, another thing like venture scouting is something that's been, um, it's under the umbrella of Boy Scouting, but it's co-ed scouts for older girls and boys. They're co-ed troops that they're like usually high adventure stuff. It's a lot of backpacking, ropes, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um. But, like, that program hasn't been super successful. Interesting. And I think, why, I think yeah, lot, why do you think that is? I, I think that it's, like, Girl Scouting is a sacred place. I think that it's a place where you can go to pursue your interests um, with other like-minded girls and all of the, the like, the, the nonsense you have to deal with, with, like, gendered stuff, isn't really there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's of course in like in a perfect vacuum of scouting. Um, and so like, obviously if you have a leader who doesn't think girls should earn the mechanics badge because she doesn't think girls should be mechanics, then that's a whole nother issue. But I like for me, girl scouting was a safe place and it was a place that it, and you know, we, we talked a lot about boys. Like that was one of the things we talked about the most probably like Mm -hmm. amongst ourselves, but, um, we were there to, you know, have fun and explore and like learn about ourselves, learn about each other. Um, and I think that when you're adding that other element there, it, it kind of takes away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like when you look at when you look at kids, um, and you can probably speak to this much more eloquently than I can because you deal with them more <laughs> often, but when you look at a kid who's, like, eight or nine, like, there's really not a whole lot of difference in how they act between boys and girls. Like, there's obviously differences, but um, 
it feels a lot more equal. Um, but then when girls hit middle school, it's it's rough. And like that's when like bodies start changing and I think girls start maturing faster. Um, and all of a sudden that's when in classes, like boys are the loudest and mm-hmm. girls don't want to be smart. They want to be pretty. And it's like, you can be both or you can be neither. Like, you know, it's, I think that when you add the, the otherness to it all, it just distracts. Yeah, it so. definitely, it imposes a different set of expectations, I think. And um, you definitely do see that with you know, children of that age when they hit the middle school level and there's like an interest in the opposite sex um, mm-hmm. and like more of an interest in relationships. Like I like looking back at my Girl Scout experience, like some of like the goofiest times that I've ever had where like I was just able to like totally be myself is I'm like looking back at Girl Scout camping trips and things like that where you could just totally just be silly and not worry about, you know, what people were thinking about you because everyone was kind of on the same page and on that same level. And right. so I, yeah, it just imposes a different set of expectations when you have something that's co-ed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there's, there, the Boy Scouts have a lot of great programming. Um, and you know, the Eagle Scout, it is the more recognized of the awards. And so you have Eagle Scout on your resume. That's really great. But you know, I I feel like most girls who have the gold award could get in the room and explain how important that gold award is, you know? But isn't that just like a perfect analogy? Like the Eagle Scout award (laughs) is a little bit easier to get, Mm -hmm. but more prestigious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. It's Mm -hmm. like we have to work harder. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, for less recognition. Yeah. Yeah. I remember oh I, I mean, cause I, I got my silver award when I was like in eighth grade, but that still made it onto like my college resume and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and, um, uh, I just remember thinking to myself at various points, like, do I need to explain what this is? Are people going to know what this is? How will they know what I did? Um, and it was just something that I did. I ended up writing about it in essays and stuff like that because I, I felt like maybe people wouldn't know what it was and wouldn't realize what a big deal it was. Right. It's a huge deal. I mean, you, there's so many skills that are involved in earning and then presenting your, any, any of those awards. Mm-hmm. Can I ask what your project was for your silver award? Well, if I could remember, I would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was, I know that it culminated with us traveling to Savannah, Georgia, which is the birthplace of the Girl Scouts. Oh, yes. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I can't remember what it was now. (laughs) But that was like, now we're talking, that was maybe like, oh God, 18 years ago now. So (laughs) that's gone. It's out of my head. I'll have to go into the archives for that one. Yeah. We earned it. That's what's important. Yes, I got it. I put it on my resume. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So anything else you want to add about being a Girl Scout leader before we get into your television production side? Sure. Um, Not really. Okay. We covered a lot of ground here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I I like that we're spreading the word on the Girl Scouts. It's just, like, I, like, honestly, like, it's just such a pure program. 
And it just takes like it's just like what are you interested in? Cool. Let's right. like make you a better person based on your interests. Right. It's the and goal it's like, is what like else does that? Being well rounded. <laughs> like anything you want to yeah. do, you can do it. Yeah. And it's just like let's <clears throat> let's take let's take like interests and thoughts that you have and empower you to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I I don't think that schools do it and part of it's not it's not school's jobs to make well-rounded people and like to produce good citizens is you know I mean I it, think that part it is it, right 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean I guess it really focuses on the individual in a way mm-hmm. that I think that a lot of schools just simply can't because they don't right. have the bandwidth right absolutely yeah it's yeah. more of a focus like you know schools will make you well-rounded in like an academic way um, or they can right. do that. But Girl right. Scouts is the knowledge that you won't necessarily get from sitting in a classroom or reading a book. It's more like hands-on, more experience, um, which is really valuable. It's very leadership-focused, which, mm-hmm. I mean, we can use more young people with leadership skills. Absolutely. Especially young women, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Oh, <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> Something's coming. <laughs> All right, so now, so did you, when you were growing up, did you say to yourself, I really would like to work in reality TV? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't, yeah, I, I got out of film school and was like, I'm moving to LA, I'm going to be a comedy director. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be Jay Roach. Mm-hmm. He was like, he had the career I wanted. He directed, like, big, broad, broad comedies, like, the Awesome Powers trilogy. Okay. And um, and then he transitioned into doing really smart, made-for-TV movies for HBO, like Recount and Game Change. And I was like, that's the career I want. That guy's a genius. Um, um, but be- and part of the reason I think I was so drawn to him was because he wasn't – no one would ever call him an auteur – Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that like people who are so into the like singular vision of one man and, uh, or one person, one filmmaker, I, I don't really buy into that. I think that for the most part, filmmaking and television, it's like such a collaborative art that I think that when you're just doing that, focusing on that one voice, you like lose, uh, the point of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So um, I, I liked him cause he made movies. He didn't direct films. Right. Um, and he's a super talented guy. Like, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to have a career like that. And um, the economy had just collapsed. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, like, by, I had like a several survival jobs, and then like by chance, my friend was like, "Hey, my friend, friend of a friend is looking for an assistant. If you want to try this reality thing? Just do it for a year." But they will pay you more than you're getting paid now. And I was like, cool, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that um, probably partially to Girl Scouts, honestly, like, I I have never met a stranger. Like, I, I have that quality about me that people trust me. And um, for better or for worse, I can then use that to, you know, further whatever agenda. And in reality TV, that's exactly what you need. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you get, you get people to be vulnerable with you. Um, and this is sounding really evil and I don't mean it to, 
No, um, it doesn't at all. I please, I have a podcast, so I totally okay, understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's. I think that when you're a producer and you're producing something about someone's real life, they have to be vulnerable with you, and you have to be vulnerable with them, or honest with them, or as honest as you can be with them to still get the product that you need. Um, and so I kind of like found my niche doing that and developing reality shows, um, which I really like doing a lot. Um, because I also think that like, you know, fact is stranger than fiction and there's a lot of really incredible, like, like ordinary people with extraordinary stories to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I fell into doing reality TV. Nice. So what, have we seen any of your projects that you've worked on? Do you want to do you watch a lot of shows on the Sportsman's Channel? I I sure don't. <laughs> um, I worked on a few shows um, for them. I did a show called um, Saving Private Canine, which mm-hmm. I loved. It was my favorite show I've ever worked on. It was a, a, a reenactment show about police and military working dogs and their mm-hmm. handlers. That's um, really cool. Yeah, yeah, they are incredible, incredible civil servants. Um, and, you know, seeing, like, getting to tell their stories was, like, an honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, like, we did a, a military and dog, like, a, like a, a veteran and his dog. We re- reunited them. Oh, my gosh. I I'm, like, never sobbing just set. thinking about it right now. Yeah, it was like this dog who had done three tours of Iraq. I I might be, I don't actually, I don't think I'm exaggerating because I know he had a handler before him and after him, so that would be three. Um, and yeah, this dog just had this like cr- incredible prolific career. Wow. And he was like hurt in in action, and we reunited him with the, his former soldier. Oh my gosh, it yeah, was that, oh uh, god. Whoo, whoo, it was rough. Um. But yeah, so I worked on that show, and then I worked on a clip show, um, and then I worked on a show with the former governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you have, like, it sounds like you kind of have a specific genre that you're working in, like, Um, outdoorsy kind of stuff? I also fell into that as well. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I speak the language. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm from Ohio. I didn't grow up in a house that hunts, but I understand hunting, you know? I... I spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy nature. Um, on the other side of that, this is going to make it sound like I'm on like a platform here, but like I understand the conservation side of hunting. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sportsman myself, um, mm-hmm. but like I can wrap my head around it. It's so not wait, for explain me. that a little bit more because I don't so, understand it. <laughs> So, like, with and, – and I don't think it, on all – on all, like, I, I don't think, that, like, trophy hunting in Africa is helping anybody. Right. Except for, like, warlords. Right. Um, but, like, I think that there are certain populations that because we have taken away their habitats, for example, the white deer population, mm-hmm. specifically in North America, like, we have to quell that population because otherwise they starve to death. Right. And – it's, it's not something that I choose to do, um, but I can wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are sportsmanlike ways to hunt, and I think that there are unsportsmanlike ways to hunt. Like, no one should own an AR-15. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't hunt with that gun. Right. <laughs> like, it, you would, 
that's what you would use for a an army of deer right. attacking you. Like, right. That's with insane. their own guns. Right. <laughs> right. With like little hoof action guns. Right. Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. That's insane. But um I can wrap my head around someone who will sit in a deer stand with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. Interesting. Okay, so you yeah. bring that kind of perspective to the table. Um, and yeah. again, that works in a way to connect with the people that you're making shows about. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think that one thing, you know what? This also, I think, leads back to Girl Scouts. Um, Doesn't I everything. It, you know, it really does. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not joking in any way when I say that. It really <laughs> does. Like, I, um, it's funny because I think that Girl Scouting introduced me to a lot of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, like, everyone has their worldview. And to understand it, most of the time, all you have to do is listen to them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you can, you can learn to speak any type of person. It's just a matter of, like, understanding them and having, like, empathy and being like, okay, I see where you come from. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't, you don't have to agree with someone to, to, to understand. understand them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I think that like that honestly is like something that I learned probably like probably because partially because my parents are good people. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, like Girl Scouting introduced me to people who I would have never met otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right, let's, we'll get into the questions about being a woman now. Great, great. <laughs> just You're cle- like, I'm going to amp you up. We're going to cleanse our palate now. <laughs> great, um, great. So, Emily, what does it mean to you to be a woman today? Today, in the year of our Lord, 2018. Yes, yes. Um, it, I, it's heavy, because you have to be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we have to carry a lot of weight that isn't necessarily ours. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I have to, I have to carry the weight of my mother's generation. I have to carry the weight of my grandmother's generation. I have to carry the weight of my own and I have to carry the weight of future generations. Um, I have to be, there's, Obviously, there's the Madonna and the whore complex. Mm-hmm. Oh, that we haven't weighs really talked things. about that yet on the show. Oh, I love this one. Tell, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so the Madonna and the whore. Um, it is that, you know, you... I'm going to butcher this. But, uh, but essentially, um, men want you to be a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's like the grossest way I could describe it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank um, you, Ludacris. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd talk about him eventually. Um, yeah. a, a poet once said, um, no, but it just, it means that you have to be, um, in, in a relation, like in a heterative norm, heteronormative relationship, it's like, you have to be simultaneously, um, a mother figure and a sex object. Mm-hmm. And it's like those, that, that dichotomy is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I can't imagine that anyone is like, you know, knowingly or wanting to walk that line. Um, but yeah, going back to your first question, what does it mean to be a woman? And like today, um, 
it also, and this is probably the most maddening thing about being a woman, is like so much of my identity comes from how I have to deal with men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't, and that means like in relationships, in dating, in friendships, in work relationships, in walking down the street like past a stranger, in like my interaction with um, a male colleague and my interaction with a male cashier. Like so much of my identity has to do with how my my womanhood interacts with the men around me. And mm-hmm. I don't think it goes the other way. I don't think that men have to think about, you know, like, oh, there's a woman around. I have to I have to be this kind of man. Mm-hmm. I think they get to just be. Because I think that men think that they are the default. And for so long we've had to be the other right in that dichotomy do you think that that is kind of exacerbated by the field that you're in like yes okay (laughs) (laughs) full stop yes (laughs) tell us more yeah it's you know it's a tough field it's it's not there here's the thing like there's not a playbook Mm -hmm. it's not you know like I've luckily I've worked for great companies and I've haven't had like a ton of bad experiences with like a you know a Harvey Weinstein type mm-hmm. um but you know there's a, a lot of companies I've worked for there's not an HR department mm-hmm. there's not like it's not I don't think it's I don't think regulation is the word I'm looking for but it's similar to that um where it's like there's like, if I try to explain to my dad, who's an accountant in Dayton, Ohio, the problems I have at work on, like, a like a more personal level, he doesn't – he can't wrap his mind around it because for his whole career, he's worked in a, quote-unquote, normal office environment. Mm-hmm. Like, what he does is so, like, quote-unquote, normal that, like, I couldn't even break down his day-to-day. It's just, like, he goes to work. Right. He goes to work and has a job in an office. Um, and so – I think that there's a lot of blurred lines mm-hmm. um, because sometimes you're, you know, talking about a movie with your colleague and then all of a sudden, like, your opinions on that movie um, become your, like, office persona and people won't want to pitch you a certain kind of show because you're a feminazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a name I've been called many times. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and then, you know, it's it's also tough when it's like, obviously, like, looks are important in the entertainment industry, um, in front of and behind the scenes. And, and I get it. And, you know, you want to look at attractive people on the television. Um, so, like, I don't, like, begrudge any of that. But, you know, there's, that plays into it. Um, for so long, men have been at the top of this industry. And so... You have to play a different game than men have to play. You have to, you have to be able to like be a buddy, and you have to be able to like talk shit. Like I have had to go to a strip club with my coworkers. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's and- the thing. Like I, so I'm not in an industry like that. Um, but I have heard, you know, I hear people talk about what it's like to be in different industries like that, and. So, like, what happens to you if you're a person who is, like, I don't want to do that, I'm not comfortable doing that, or I'm just going to go home instead of going out for work drinks? Like, what happens to you if you do that? Oh, well, you're, you're a wet blanket. You're mm-hmm. a stick in the mud. You're no fun. 
And then people don't um, want to work with you. Yeah, yeah. And people don't want to work with you because what we do is fun or supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of people forget, like, it's a business. Right. And and as it is a business, I'm an employee. And at a certain hour, my employment that day, day is done. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's I've spent a lot of personal time doing work-related things I don't necessarily want to do. Right. So... Yeah. And your hands are kind of tied in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes you can put your foot down, um, but you have to decide when you can. Right. Which is also like a really tough thing because it's like, is, is the line that I draw is like someone saying gross things about, you know, someone that we had a meeting with. Is that when I draw the line or do I draw the line at having a few too many drinks with my coworkers or do I draw the line at, um, arguing with a boss about um, why women have to put their <laughs> lives on hold to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Like w- that show Younger on um, TV Land. Mm-hmm. I remember once um, with some former Is that coworkers that we had like a long conversation just about the show. And um, a, a male colleague was like, I don't get it. And the premise is uh, a woman gets like a new lease on life um, after she and her husband get a divorce and she's, you know, done raising her baby. And I had to have a whole conversation, like a heated conversation with a male colleague about why that show is empowering and how um, for him, he will never have to on hold to have a baby. You know, having, having a family to him is a bonus. Mm-hmm. He, he will never be described as, you know, like John, who's a dad, whereas I will be described as Emily, who's a mom, or even worse, like Kaylee's mommy. Right. Um, you just like lose a lot of agency. Um, but yeah, I think like the entertainment industry is really tough for things like wanting to have a life outside of the entertainment industry. Right. So it's like, I feel like I shouldn't have to fight for having a broader life than just my job, but sometimes, sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that's, that's bleak. especially true in your industry, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see any changes coming down the pipeline or no? Um, I do. Um, and I don't know if part of it is because I'm my friend's some of my friends are now having children and I'm seeing that it's possible. Whereas before it just felt so out of reach. I think that, um, there's just kind of like a new class of women in town who mm-hmm. are demanding that things be different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more female executives now than there have been in a long time or probably ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think I'm also starting to see, like, obviously there's going to be sacrifices made no matter what life choices you make. Right. Um, but I, I think that, at least I, I would hope that this new class of women is a little more empathetic to each other, mm-hmm. and a little kinder and a little softer. And so it's not, you know a bad thing if you want to do things other than live your job. Right. (laughs) Oh, God. Crazy, right? Live your job. That's like a terrifying phrase. (laughs) 
pass. <laughs> so on a lighter subject, what are yeah. your favorite parts of being a woman? Um, mm, I think that, uh, I think that this one can kind of be like good and bad, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes we have more, like we get away with being silly. Mm-hmm. That sounds so stupid. Don't put that in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, I like so it though. Tough. Explain it a little bit. Okay. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I think that, oh, I think that that speaks to a sadder truth though. I think that <laughs> like women can get away with not being as serious as men sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think that part of the reason that that's the case is that like people don't take us seriously. Yeah, yeah, and that, like, wit, like quote-unquote women things are, like, mm-hmm. looked at as, like, like frivolous. Like, yeah. like I love makeup, mm-hmm. but, like, if I want to talk about makeup with, like, a male coworker or friend or something, they, they're, like, eyes glaze over. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want to talk about, like, March Madness, like, by all means, go for it. Right. Um, actually, okay, okay, so here's what it is. Yeah. Like, Back to the silliness thing, though. A positive of it is I think that, like, female friendships can be deeper. Mm-hmm. And it gives – it allows us to be softer right. with each other. And yeah, I completely I, agree. And, and I've found that, like, I have a lot of male friends who come to me and have these, like, very vulnerable conversations. And I'm kind of like, huh, I can't imagine that you're having this conversation with your roommate. Right. Like, I know that you guys are just watching, like, the big game or you're playing video games or you're, you know, talking about why you think P.T. Anderson is, like, God's gift to film um, or whatever. Um, and I, yeah, I think that, like, w- women can be softer. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's, like, strength in that. And there's a lot of power in that, that, you know, men don't necessarily get to have because because when you're feminine then it's a weakness but Mm. you know it and it's not it's not necessarily a feminine quality it's just been associated with women for so long because because we're who raise things and we are who nurture things and we are like the feeders and the you know right yeah right like I mean it's more acceptable for a girl to be raised with like I, like traditionally like male qualities than it is for a male to be raised with like traditionally female or feminine qualities. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Which I mean there I think that there should be a little bit more ambiguity in there like yeah. It, it makes you a better person kind of having both <laughs> sides of it. Yeah, yeah, it just goes back to the being well-rounded. Right, it goes back to the Girl Scouts. <laughs> yeah, like, we should just raise rounded children. Right, like, it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to, like, watch March Madness and enjoy that, it's it's okay to do all of these things at once. Yeah, yeah, this is, like, kind of off-topic, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. and I, my boyfriend, like, Who's an Eagle Scout? Uh, doesn't <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I know, right? Um, he he like doesn't get it, and I'm like, I have realized that like 
so much of like so Bruce Springsteen has this like tough guy exterior and he like looks like he like works on an auto line and has like a <laughs> you know like a denim jacket even though like at this point he's like a super rich dude yeah um but he definitely has this like like gruff quality to him but then when you go and it, <laughs> if you ever watch like a concert of a Bruce Springsteen show or like like a, just a concert video they're like men in the in the stands like crying <laughs> um and it's like all of these like tough jersey guys who like Bruce Springsteen gets to emote for them right and and he he gets to like put out an album like Tunnel of Love which is just like it's like that's a cheesy album. It's a really cheesy album from the eighties, and it's but like those are like tough guy love songs, and it's about him like wrestling with like being this like young playboy, but then like falling in love with the right one. But like he gets to be this guy that they can put all of their emotions on. But if somebody were to like walk up to them and be like, "Yo, Bruce Springsteen sucks," they'd be like, "Oh, oh, I'll I'll beat your ass," <laughs> and and they will. And it's like this like this big New Jersey tough guy is gonna like beat up somebody who made fun of Bruce Springsteen because Bruce Springsteen is the guy who lets him cry. Yeah. Oh my God. So my boyfriend also loves Bruce Springsteen. And so I went to the river tour a couple years ago. Oh my God. I went twice in one week. It was so good. (laughs) And I, you know, I didn't really grow up listening to Bruce Springsteen aside from like the really big songs that he has. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just hearing like those songs in succession and hearing how like, vulnerable they actually are was very surprising to me because I you know had this image of him as this like tough guy but you're right it was totally like I really loved it and I really loved hearing like you know about his relationship with his dad about different like love stories and telling different stories of people from like where he grew up like it's ultimately vulnerable yeah yeah he's like he's a super like almost at times like saccharine guy where it's like he's he's saying all these like very like very sweet and vulnerable things and he's like letting down his guard but like he had to earn that oh yeah and he had to be he he had to have like clearance coming in on like the sacks like and be like yeah we're big tough guys with muscles sometimes (laughs) it's okay to cry but like he's this like he he's he's just this like working class hero guy who gets to emote for the men who can't emote. Yeah. So he's the perfect man. What? <laughs> um, that was so a large funny. aside, but I do think it's like related. I think that's really important. I'm glad that we talked about that. Me too. So We're covering all my bases. Like pretty much. The, the American flag, Girl Scouting, and Bruce. It's like those are my three favorite things. <laughs> I'm really glad that we could cover all of that. Um, oh yeah so you just so somehow somewhere in there that was your favorite thing about being a woman now what is your (laughs) first spring stain what is your least favorite um it's just it's hard and it's scary sometimes Mm -hmm. and um I live with a lot of privilege I like so what's scary for me is probably not the same thing that a lot of other women who are, right. you know, scared on a woman level live with. Like, like if you look at if you look at like a woman who's destitute, it's like her her level of fear as a woman is a lot different than mine. Right. Whereas like mine is 
it, it seems very trivial compared to something like that, where it's like my, the things I'm afraid of, um, are like not being taken seriously. Right. Um, and there's obviously like the big things like, you know, losing my job for having a baby or mm-hmm. like being raped or like, you know, the, the really awful, terrible things that can come with just like being, you know, biologically a woman. Right. Um, and, and those things don't necessarily only apply to women, obviously, but, um, it's just, I think that we have to be worried about things that men don't have to be worried about. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times it translates to very real fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. fear for safety. Mm-hmm. Fear for security. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that are, like, scary about being a woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, security could be, like, a, like an emotional security or, like... Like, a very physical thing. Right. Um, Well, isn't there... I don't know who said this quote. It's probably someone important that said it, but I don't remember. But it's like, you know, a man's greatest fear is that someone will laugh at him and a woman's greatest fear is that someone will kill her. Yes. Right. Yes. I I also hear a similar version of that a lot where it's, like, about internet dating. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a man's biggest fear is that his date doesn't look like her picture. Right. And a woman's is dying. Right. Yeah. Which is so yeah. True. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. Awful. It really is. It's just bleak. Um so I'm gonna are there any more things about being a woman that you want to add because we're we're over an hour already. Yeah, I know. We're we're really talking. We, we, yeah, yeah. Um I don't know, it's great. It's also not great and it's scary and it's a exciting and I don't know it's it's complicated it is it's super complicated and I wish it didn't have to just be boiled down into like being a woman or like the woman's experience because there's so many women's experiences right Right. and this is my 27th episode and we are yeah everything is different every time so yeah yeah it's it's kind of I mean, I, I, it's funny because it's like I, on one hand, I love that we can talk about it and that mm-hmm. like I get to learn about so many different points of view and, you know, so many different experiences. But on the other hand, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> like, why is there so much bad stuff associated with it? Right. But we, but we rise, we rise above. We are working on it really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of people who are working really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. my story of subversion for this week, I am going to focus on Emma Gonzalez. So so if you have not heard of Emma Gonzalez lately, you must be like living under a rock or something like that because she is everywhere now, especially, um, with the, so the March for Our Lives happened this past weekend as we're recording this episode. Um, but if you do not know Emma Gonzalez, she's a high school senior, Um, And she is one of the survivors of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting that happened in Parkland, Florida on Valentine's Day on February 14th. Um, And so since then, she has been one of the most visible advocates for gun control um, coming out of that experience. So she co-founded the gun control advocacy group um, Never Again. um, And 
she helped organize the March for Our Lives, which occurred this past weekend. And I've just seen so many videos of her and she's been on news programs. She's been all over the news, all over social media, um, giving very passionate speeches, um, putting different lawmakers, kind of putting them on the spot and asking them a lot of questions and really digging in. And it's really just amazing to me. She's so graceful in all these situations. She's so passionate and she's only 18 years old, which I mean, our, I am just in awe of these teenagers and what they've been doing and how they've been mobilizing. And it really is amazing. And it, even in the face of, you know, I saw something online that showed a picture of her like ripping the constitution in half, which is not something that she actually did. It was actually a photo of her ripping um, like one of those, those heads that you're supposed to shoot for like a target practice. So she was like ripping that in half, but then um, some people decided it would be a good idea to modify the picture and make it look like she was, you know, ripping the constitution. Uh, and just in the face of all that, she's been very graceful. And there was even a politician, I think it was a politician that called her out for, she has, she's Cuban American. She's, well, she's American, but her family, her parents, I believe are from Cuba or maybe her grand, even her grandparents. Um, but people have been calling her out for that and saying, well, you know, making comments about that, about how can she be for gun control if her family is from Cuba. So just a lot of criticism of her um, and a lot of like grown people attacking an 18 year old, which I think is, you know, wrong. Agree. <laughs> So I just want to highlight her because I think that she's awesome. I love what she's doing. And I think it's um, just really subversive and really powerful. And just the young people today are in such a great position. They're able to connect with each other in ways that like when, when we were that age, we were not able to connect with people that easily. And so um, just the fact that they're using it for good is an amazing thing. I I am just loving how much like social media, even though I, I heard somebody compare recently, like Obama was the first president that we elected with Facebook and Trump was the second. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I love seeing the reverse of it where it's like these kids are like, like the, the economy that they understand is like social capital. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're taking to like, you know, the internet and it's like, finally people are listening. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Right. And I, I, I'm just in awe of these children because they're children. They are. They are children. And they've <laughs> yeah. had to go through this unbelievably terrible trauma. And to f the fact that they are rising up instead of not is yeah. just unbelievable. It's, it's, it's very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely. So Emma Gonzalez story of subversion she's so awesome so we're gonna tie it all together with emily's story of subversion which i don't think anyone will be surprised by the person that you've chosen <laughs> it's not bruce springsteen <laughs> um <laughs> no uh, the person who i choose is julie gordon lowe who's the founder of the girl scouts um Yay. she was born during the civil war and um, being a girl never stopped her from doing anything. 
And, you know, she, she didn't have an easy, I mean, she had an easy life in some ways in that she was, you know, born a wealthy white landowner in, you know, antebellum South, but, you know, she, she never took no as an answer. She, you know, she got a divorce in the early 1900s. Uh, that was not you wow. know, very, oh, I know, right? How'd she do I, that? I totally, I, I don't know. She just basically was like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, she, she was just like a whip smart lady who like took no crap from anybody. Um, and she saw that in the UK that, um, the Boy Scouts were becoming a thing. And she was like, well, why don't I bring that here for girls? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was at a time where girls, uh, learned to sew and girls learned to cook. And then girls had babies when they were teenagers. And then that was their life. Um, and her first troupe was, um, multi-ethnic. You know, she, she had... Um, a girl in her troupe who was African-American, which also at the time, in, you know, in 1912 was revolutionary to include these children. Like this was 50 years before the civil rights movement started. And that, that was happening in Savannah, Georgia. This wasn't happening in, you know, New York City or something. Um, and uh, I'm going to share my favorite anecdote about her. That is like, I feel like it's more speaks to her character than like that particular movement um but when she was a kid one of the like exception uh, like acceptable hobbies for women were to paint on china and so she made this set of plates with like little deer on them and she painted these like really beautiful little deer on three of the four plates but then on the fourth one she painted like a deer's butt with its tail in the air (laughs) Um, and then when she would serve like cake to people, if there was someone there that she didn't like, she would serve that on that one. And so then they'd get to the bottom of, you know, the cake and then there would just be like a deer's butt. just like <laughs> facing up at them. And I, I do just, like that a lot. It's, it's just like, it's just like a 1880s, like middle finger from, a, <laughs> from like a proper lady. And I love that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. I, I learned that when I was a kid, and that has, like, stuck with me forever. And I was like, I like her. (laughs) I did get to go to her birthplace when I was in Girl Scouts, when I was in eighth grade, which was cool. I was there in eighth grade, too. It's really pretty. It is. It's beautiful. Savannah's a great city. I wish I would have known that about the deer butt when I was there, though. I like they have it there. It's like in this little cabinet, <laughs> and they like told us about it. And I was like, "That's so oh my cool. gosh, that's awesome." <laughs> that also like says a lot about me that like that's what I remember <laughs> from the tour. <laughs> I like that. No, that's a really great story. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, I don't like you, but I'm not gonna tell you. I'm gonna be a lady. <laughs> oh man, ah, right. uh, this is fun. So that's Juliet Gordon Lowe. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to the end of the episode. So Emily, is there anything else that you want to add? Um, I don't know. I just think we should, we should try to not be so scared. Mm-hmm. I'll agree. <laughs> that's like a very broad <laughs> blanket statement, but you know, I, I would like that for everyone. 
Okay, that can be like a mantra. Yeah, don't be so scared. (laughs) All right, we'll leave it on that note. Um, So thank you so much for being my guest today. This was so fun. Of course, yeah. I like digging into my Girl Scout memories. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, listeners, um, if you would like to get in touch with Womankind, you can find us at Womankind Podcast on um, social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, You can go to our website at www.womankindpodcast.com or email us at womankindpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.